This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go beyond the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Philip C. Today's show, I speak to Dr. Benjamin Lowe, Senior Lecturer at the School of Media and Communications at Taylor's University on the state of our media and the effectiveness of the government's plan and proposed media council. Good morning, Ben. Let's just start the scene first. You know, Malaysia always positions itself as a diverse nation, but is it truly reflected in our media? Well, when you're talking about media, of course, um, the when people think about diversity in our media, people always think the first thing that comes to people's mind, especially to Malaysians, would be that uh, we have language representation in our media, basically. You yeah. know, we have, you know, English language media, we have Malay language media, we have Chinese language media, and we have Th- Tamil language media. Now, uh, the, I think even at that level, we can notice that there are some areas that are uh, more, they have more presence of media compared to others, you know, like predominantly, I think English and Malay uh, have the, English, Malay, Chinese, of course, have the largest one. And in uh, sort of like the Tamil speaking uh, languages are often a little bit limited in that sense. But again, that sort of like um, uh, overshadows the overall conversation, because when you think about diversity, you don't just... You don't. You can't just look at it in terms of the language lens. You also have to look at it in terms of maybe political ideologies. You have to look at it in terms of minority communities and whatnot. Like for instance, uh, we don't really think about sort of like say media that represents sort of like Sabah and Sarawak, you know, mm. or uh, media that represents certain uh, minority ethnic groups in this country, or media that is going to cater to uh, different groups of people that we often don't see as part of what we call the uh, representing the Malaysian mainstream essentially. It's it's very there is it's it's not even completing the whole understanding of demographic, isn't it? Demographic diversity here, we still haven't sliced and diced it properly yet. We don't even go to the diversity of thought, correct? So yes. that's I think one of the biggest things, right? When we think about diversity here, it's still at the surface, top of the iceberg issue. We haven't drilled down to the many ways of how you slice and dice it still. Uh, yes, that's uh, absolutely correct. You know, like, uh, but uh, again, you know, it goes back to this whole idea of how you want to conceptualize media. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, our media history, uh, our media context follows very closely to the European style, which is whereby media is supposed to be a lot more objective, a lot more neutral in the way that they report, the way that they present certain things. Uh, whereas, you know, um, when people think about diversity of media, they always think about the, the American model is what comes to mind when you think about it in terms of diversity of uh, thought diversity or political ideologies mm, where mm. Um, the media are expected to be sort of like um, to be make, biased make or to make have a certain on, make a stand on an per- issue right yes they have certain perspectives that they make very very clear yeah. uh, under certain uh, the thing is the under the Malaysian um, definition of what media is we actually do not even uh, force media because again we don't have anything that's codified into law that means that media has to behave in a certain way. Uh, we have certain guidelines about how the media should present information. But again, um, this sort of ignores the fact that we actually, uh, that that our media actually do sort of like have certain uh, bias towards certain kind of political viewpoints that uh, represent the Malaysian mainstreams and often can uh, ignore or suppress other viewpoints essentially. So it's interesting, right? Like how we, we tend to have not make a stand, whereas if you look at actually the newspapers, especially where, where I used to study in the UK, they were clearly partisan, right? You can see who is supporting the Conservatives, who is supporting Labour. But what happens here in Malaysia is that perhaps you see a, a, a flavour of that partisan in the editorial pieces where, you know, the, the 
when they put a name to an article, then people are more willing and braver to make a stand there, right? But you don't see that reflected in the front few pages of the newspaper, correct? Well, I mean, if you study Malaysian media for a while, you know that, you know, it doesn't, they don't need to use the uh, editorial pieces, you know, like the op-eds or the Mm -hmm. sort of like uh, statements from the editors to actually make a stand. A lot of it can, is often, uh, how do you say, implicit in the kind of coverage that they present, you know, the, the, the certain, the way certain stories are presented, the information that is presented, the information that isn't presented, a lot of, a lot of that is still quite present. And I think, what people often associate with our media essentially is that a lot of because of the nature of uh, media ownership, there's a lot of political ownership in our media. Essentially. So a lot of people always think about how certain media have certain political ties essentially. But again, does not necessarily mean that it uh, reflects uh, political viewpoints or political ideologies as well. And again, uh, this also means that the majority media therefore will um, be based off the majority uh, pol- uh, political parties that again have the funds to actually uh, own many, own or, or or sort of like influence many of these media operations as well. So yeah, I think we really need to sort of like expand that, and we need to sort of like change the way that. I mean, for a while, people used to well, people were very hopeful that you know the alternate, the internet or alternative media would be a lot more objective, a lot more fair, and things like that. But you know, as we're as, but I guess there are other challenges that have come up as well. You know, like for instance, you know, the viability of the economic model of media. You know, that that has always been a major issue that we're. Seeing in Malaysia in particular. Now, uh, I suppose the, the 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 question that we're probably going to go through is how are we going to fix all of these things? And, you know, one of the ways to sort of like go into that, of course, is the media council that, you know, uh, we're still waiting to see how that proposal is going to go up. But very likely, the media council is going to probably try to address all of these needs. But at present, due to the way that um, we're not really hearing a lot about how it's being formed. But last, I when I was looking at the proposals that were being presented before, a lot of it was being done by the more traditional media that was involved. And again, they will they seem to be wanting to dominate the way that all of these things are going to be presented. So uh, it remains to be seen whether this will effectively improve media, but well, uh, we're still sort of like waiting with a bit of breath to see how that plays out. I guess that's a debate to ask about what is the remit of the Media Council. You say improve media. What are the measures of success of improvement in media there? I guess when I when we say improve media, I think for me the simple one would basically basically to improve uh, trust in the media. One of the problems that we have in Malaysia essentially, right, is that Malaysia's media space is so diverse. And when I say diverse, I mean that we don't really have any for because of the nature of how media is divided by language or by vernacular. Essentially, mm-hmm. it's very difficult for people to say that with uh with. Um, with confidence that there is one single media that cuts across all uh, ethnographic, oh, sorry, sorry, all demographic groups in Malaysia. Essentially, mm. uh, the idea here is that you know uh, this is what we refer commonly we used to refer to as the information commons. The idea here is that you know um, yes we have we can have differences of opinion, we can have differences of viewpoints, but fundamentally we all agree that certain uh, information sources, certain news outlets, would be considered to be. Um, would be factual, they would be credible, and everybody can agree that they may have certain um, perspectives that are, they disagree with, but fundamentally they agree that their facts that they present are all correct. So it used to be, um, in most places, would be like certain newspapers would always have a reputation like this, you know, well established yeah. newspapers, newspapers with good um, code of ethics. And if you're in a country that has very well established 
uh, sort of like uh, media laws in place or a media council that has built up the reputation of the media, then people can have that trust. But in Malaysia, because again, um, you've got different groups of people that uh, consume media in different ways. Also. They, the, again, uh, I know echo chambers is seen as like a new buzzword that is really associated with social media. But in Malaysia, that actually even applies to traditional media because you've got some groups of people who only consume English language news or online news or only newspapers. Or for a while, people used to only consume like uh, tele, uh, sort of like TV-based news because that was the only thing that was that's available right. if you're in rural, rural, rural areas, essentially. Yeah. So that's sort of like the... The I mean, so a media, a properly set up media council can then work to sort of like build up this idea that, okay, even if you're listening to one set of media uh, that is based on some whatever that uh, matches your own uh, context that you that you have, uh, it's important to also understand that if, if you've got a proper media council with a well-established uh, code of ethics that everybody is going to follow, then over time that can naturally build up the sort of like the trust in the the public trust in the media in general. Like right now, um, people can trust one type of media, but completely distrust another type of media. And we don't really have a well set uh, guidelines to sort of like differentiate between them. So I think that's that's one of the main challenges the media council should try to address. And this is the challenge. I think when you talk about trust, you should distinguish between facts and opinions and perspectives, right? And, and many would argue that actually just getting the facts right, making sure that we report accurately should be hygiene, that we are able to deliver that. And even we don't even get into the fray of opinions and perspectives yet. Of course, a diversity of that actually helps build trust. But if we just focus on just getting the hygiene right, which is making sure that we report the facts accurately and timely and you know, validated and verified. That's one of the biggest challenges, uh, and and it doesn't only apply to digital, but mainstream media also. That's also having challenges in delivering fact-based media. Yes, uh, that's very true, and I think that's the another big issue. And so you know, like um, for a while, you know, the term fake news used to be thrown quite a bit, and I think mm. for I think that if you are a person that operates in the media space. Um, fake news is actually a very, very dangerous uh, label that can be applied to you, you know. And so, more often than not, there was a period of time where people used that term very, very uh, sort of like... Um, Glibly. Yeah, too very, very openly, very, very dangerously as well. And sometimes, you know, um, any kind of sort of... Any kind of factual information that was either presented slightly incorrectly or sort of like improperly would be considered, would actually mean that people would consider it to be fake news, which is an incorrect way of looking at it. You know, fake news is supposed to imply that this was deliberate and this was done to manipulate uh, certain situations. That That's the entire idea behind fake news, uh, which was why when, you know, um, when uh, former President Donald Trump used that term, he used it in a way with the intent of trying to uh, undermine the credibility of well-established media outlets. Because if you uh, assign that label to a particular media, and when pe if people believe that, anything that the media puts out is automatically disqualified as being accurate or not. But what we saw in the, we've been seeing in the last few years uh, is that whenever any local media outlet publishes a story, and sometimes this happens, you know, sometimes it could be human error, you know, they either misquote somebody or they have one small piece of information that was uh, improperly cited, or they due to the fact that you know the nature of news presentation uh, publication is that you cannot publish everything. You have to be judicious in what you want to present in the piece itself. And sometimes when certain things are left out incorrectly, and then people then and then in somebody when like say a politician or a public figure challenges that and says that oh you know uh, they misrepresented me, they misquoted me, and that's why they are fake news. And then that that 
label then carries forward with the mm. people who are reading it who support the politician. And that's why you will see that our media are very, how do you say, they have taken on this role whereby whenever they're reporting on political news or news that comes from politicians, they often just uh, quote verbatim rather than do any form of analysis because or any kind of interpretation. Yeah, because if you misrepresent or you misquote things, mm. you 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 basically uh, open yourself up to sort of like being attacked by the people that you're quoting. So better to just present things as is and try not to add any additional analysis on top of it because that just opens you up to, I guess, uh, to being attacked in the future. Yeah, We're heading into some messages and when we come back, we continue our discussion with Dr. Benjamin Lowe, Senior Lecturer at the School of Media and Communications at Taylor's University. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Today on the show, I have with me Dr. Benjamin Lowe, Senior Lecturer at the School of Media and Communications at Taylor's University, as we have a broad-ranging conversation about the government's proposed media council. Now, Ben, earlier on, we ended the conversation about fake news. And really, the question in my mind is, how does one regulate and manage fake news? I mean, does the government need to intervene? And is it required to be there to put in place necessary guardrails? Ah, okay. So yes, the <laughs> I guess this goes back to like the, the sort of like the viability of like a anti-fake news type of legislation. And I think for me, I've, I mean, I've said this many times, basically, this is where, uh, I mean, having any kind of government, not just our government, but governments in general mm. decide what is fake news is a very, very dangerous step. You know, uh, you know, um, countries that even have like the most well-formed one, and I'm looking at Singapore, Singapore has like the, is they came up with this very, very well-formed sort of like anti-fake news type legislation. And even then, there are instances where a lot of abuse that can sort of like favored authority can also occur as a result. I'm not saying that it definitely can happen, but there is always that chance. And there have been instances where uh, sort of like international organizations have censured uh, Singapore for sort of like using that to sort of like um, to protect itself and attack journalists as well. So I'm always on the side that we should not allow uh, the government to decide this. So for me, a media council that is sort of like independent, I mean, it can be government form essentially, but if it's comprised of uh, representatives from the media themselves, that comes from civil society, that comes from uh, various expert groups, and they can sort of like chime in and they can sort of like self-regulate, I think that's a better approach to doing it. But again, the thing about a media council is that a media council reflects the sort of like the the context that it's in essentially so uh depending on the and i think uh it really depends on how you set it up and if you in, in malaysia right now we are actually in an environment where the local media actually have not really have been they've they've been living in two different eras essentially mm -hmm. you know like prior to uh 2018 it was basically incredibly uh uh, government oppressive, you know, there were all these laws in place, especially for the traditional media. And even if you're online media, you are always at the at the mercy of the government to allow you to operate and things like that. And so a lot of the media have sort of like uh, adapted a lot of these sort of survival techniques to make sure that they can they can last and to um, not just last as in being, being able to operate, but also being able to sort of like um, generate income in some way, shape or form. So they've sort of like adapted and worked on that. But as a result of that kind of situation for many decades, a lot of uh, more proper journalism practices have not really been set in place. You know, the, the range of code of ethics. So, I mean, if you look at the various journalism associations in the country, or you look at different media and outlets in the country, you notice that each of them have different sets of code of ethics and they are wildly different from each other essentially. Yeah. Because again, some media have a higher standards while some media 
feel that, you know, these things get in the way, you know, especially when you've got challenges from social media where, uh, you know, and one of the reasons why a lot of times um, news is misrep is mis is um, presented incorrectly is simply because media outlets now, and this is not something that's specific to Malaysia, it's happening everywhere, are often rushing to put that scoop out because they are afraid that uh, regular people or other uh, like less reputable media sources will end up getting that scoop essentially. So uh, these are things that need to be addressed. And But again, so when the media council is formed, if they reflect the current situation that's there, then we're really not going to improve because a lot of the current practices that are now quite seen as informal will suddenly be codified and nothing's going to improve. So I think any media council that has to be formed has to be aspirational in nature. It has to think, focus on how can we actually improve the situation. And again, it shouldn't be, oh, we need to figure out a way to sort of like make money and to make ourselves, make yeah. this industry viable. But really, it should focus also on building trust. And with time, then everything will improve. And that representation of who sits in the media council is essential and critical, right? I mean, it shouldn't just be filled with newspaper uh, editors fundamentally. I mean, you do need to involve, you know, people from the digital sphere because that's that that reflects to a certain extent some aspiration. But it's hard, right, to find the right represents representation on the digital platforms. Uh, I I mean, yes, but I mean, I don't think that is the. I don't think that's one. I think that is an issue, of course. I think uh, it's really like from what from the last that I saw, one of the proposals that I saw, like. Uh, a lot of the media outlets were a little bit disingenuous in trying to present uh, representatives there. So, so basically, you have things like um, one media conglomerate would have would take up uh, one seat would be for their newspaper outlet, one seat for another uh, television news outlet. So basically, it's still the same company to see there. And mm -hmm. I think one of the big issues that we're also seeing is that there's a lack of differentiation between media owners and journalists as well. You know, in many other countries, there's always this. Um, uh, sort of like point of contention that, you know, media owners and journalists actually operate in a very, very different sphere. But the thing is, in Malaysia, where a lot of media owners sometimes are either former journalists or they are seen as journalists themselves, and therefore there's always that clash. You know? Because again, if you are a media owner, your uh, approach to media is going to be very different because fundamentally... Uh, it's all it's mostly economic rather than focusing on the journalism as well. It doesn't matter if you had a background in journalism before. So there's always that conflict of interest that can sometimes be forgotten as a result. There. And the last proposal that I saw didn't really sort of like take that into account. They didn't make any differentiation. They just basically said media representative, essentially. So I think it's important that there needs to be a sort of like a way to ensure that there is proper representation and also to and one way to sort of like uh, sidestep this whole issue is that yes, have me, allow media owners or sort of like representatives of the uh, the the ownership or the management of media to be part of the council, but also ensure that working journalists are also part of the council. So make sure that uh, representatives from the journalism unions are in there, from journalist organisations are also present in that uh, media council as well. Do you think digital platforms should? participate in this media council someone like from x or even google or meta oh as in social media platforms yes uh to be honest i don't think so because essentially social media platforms do not produce news they do not uh sort of like they're not involved in the generation of news so why should they be involved because again uh social media platforms are here to benefit off of news 
that is that they themselves do not produce, you know. And this is uh, one of the reasons why uh, Australia passed a legislation that meant that news aggregators, and we're not talking like um, sort of like, you know, all these sites that re repackage news. We're talking about Google, we're talking about Facebook, you know, all these sites that take news that is, uh, that is worked on laboriously by various media organizations and just present them for free to other people and then them benefiting off of that. So I don't think they should be involved in this because again, they are there just to sort of like make money out of this situation. And I don't, um, in a certain way, I think they need to be involved in the general conversation about all of these things that are happening as in the sense that social media companies should actually be held uh they should be answerable to the media council, but I don't think they should be part of the media council. Yeah, they shouldn't be se. members of it, but yes. generally the media council should convene and and have a, and engage them right about how to make sure that they are guardrails. You know, if if we put this in place, the media council, what would be the top three priorities you want the the media council to work on immediately? Um, well, <laughs> there's a long list. <laughs> um, I mean, it's something that uh, I think I've been talking about for a while. So for me. I would say that uh, the media council should, number one, the main goal should be to build public trust in the media in general, as I mentioned before. Yeah. So I won't go into that uh, again. Uh, another one would be to sort of like ensure that there is a uh, mechanisms in place to keep uh, the media in check. So there should be a way for members of the public to uh, file complaints if any media are publishing things that are incorrect. There should be uh, some sort of mechanism to uh, either discipline onto censure media that overstep these bounds. Like right now, um, it's still being highly debated. How exactly do you determine what is the coverage of the media council? You know, mm. like does it mean that only members of the media council are covered by the media council, or do you cover media in general as well? And well, how does this involve, say, like uh, non-media, non-news-based? kind of sites, what does it, what about international media and things like that. So these are the things that also need to be sort of like put in place to make sure that there is adequate coverage. And at the same time, like if they focus too much on making sure that, oh, only if you, if you are, you have to be a member of the media council in some way, shape or form in order for the media council to have purview over you, then that is very likely going to cause a lot of uh, media to just not be a part of it. So they don't have to count out to this law. So, but at the same time, if you make it so that the media council uh, can diff, can designate certain news items as well, that also can potentially be abused as a form of gatekeeping that can limit how certain news is being presented. So, uh, and then of course the third thing, and I think this is another thing that is important, is that it should all it should be seen as being independent, mm. meaning that uh, it has it can be you know formed as an act of parliament similar to the bar council that we have in Malaysia, but at the same time. There needs to be safeguards in place to make sure that, uh, you know, certain appointments, certain uh, funding that that may or may not come from the government doesn't change the nature of how all of these things, how it operates. But again, you know, in Malaysia, a lot of times um, we don't really have ways of trying to keep this conflict of interest in check. You know, more often than not, you see political appointments are used as a way to serve as proxies to certain political parties and whatnot. And potentially that could also happen here. So, uh I don't know how the, the, the pro-time community is going to overcome these issues, but that is something that needs to be heavily considered. If if this, was, this is going to be seen as a serious uh, approach to try to sort of like improve uh, trust in the media overall in Malaysia. That was Dr. Benjamin Law, Senior Lecturer at the School of Media and Communications at Taylor's University. This has been Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Coming up next is a 10 a.m. news bulletin, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.